Hi, everybody, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Map Round Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we're talking to founders, CEOs, uh, and business thought leaders all about the epic business blunders. You know, the stuff they won't put on their LinkedIn timeline unless they're on this series. <laughs> uh, but anyway, with us in the hot seat today uh, is Patrick Kelly, the CEO of Signal Advisors. Patrick, welcome to the show, brother. Great to be here. Cool, dude. So uh, as usual, let's get on with the show. So kick us off with the elevator pitch, bro. What are you guys up to at uh, Signal Advisors? Yeah, Signal Advisors is a platform for independent financial advisors to build their business on top of. So in the financial advisory world, there's kind of there's two worlds. There's the captive world, you know, Chase Bank, uh, Northwestern Mutuals of the world kind of work for a big brand. They give you lots of resources. There's also the independent space where you get to kind of go out on your own and build your own business. And so we help those types of financial advisors scale and build their practices. Mm-hmm. So what's the issue for them? I mean, what are you, what's the problem or the pain that you're typically taking away from them on, in any given point in time? I mean, there's lots of things that we do. I mean, it's actually a pretty compl- complicated business. Um, but I mean, one is financing. So there's lots of different ways that we improve cash flow for these, for these advisory businesses. But we've got a proprietary product called TruePay, where we'll pay advisors in 24 hours. So instead of uh, taking about 40 days, we're up, pay about 40 times faster than anybody else. So everyone else in the space char- uh, pays 40 days later. We pay the same day or or 24 hours late, later, depending. So cash flow is a great example. Other other pieces, just the fragmentation of technology in the advisory space. Um, I think the average advisor uses 17 to 20 pieces of software. When they use our platform, we've consolidated a lot of those tools into one place. So you're probably scaling down to to three or four different pieces of of, of technology. So a lot of benefits, but those are two kind of mine. Sweet, dude. Amazing business. Um, so let's get on with the meat and the potatoes uh, of this one. Uh, what is your story of fail for our audience around the world today? A fail? Well, you know, so failure is a weird thing. You know, it, I think it depends a lot on perspective um, and the moment in time that you're in. Um, but for me, it wasn't like a divorce or a bankruptcy or any of those kind of like moments in time where you're like, clearly it's a failure. It was more so I, I started a company as my first company out of college. Um, it was an electronic applications platform for fix and fix index annuities. So you want to buy an annuity, super complicated, 60 pages of documents, all online sending or sorry, sorry, all all in paper. And then you're sending these like FedEx overnight packages. It was just a mess. And it was and it was wrong most of the time. So there's a lot of back and forth to try and get these things corrected. So our bright idea was let's just put those those documents online. Let's make it simpler. Let's put some rules behind it. So that was my first business called RepPro. I would say about five years into that business, I just had this realization that it wasn't going to be what I wanted it to be. It wasn't really going to be this game-changing business. And we really weren't going to have the financial outcomes that we wanted. So really had to plot our exit. Um, you know, I made a lot of commitments to a lot of people. I recruited team members, employees. I got friends and family to invest in the business. So what do I do? How do I, how do I go about getting out of this thing without, you know, without, um, letting people down? Um, you know, they, they believed me from the very beginning. So I, I spent about a year and a half, um, actually looking for a buyer. Um, and what, what, what ended up happening was, DOL came into place, all the Department of Labor, they're basically putting a new rule in place around um, how basically it was going to put some new constraints on financial advisors and how they how they how they conducted business. Um, And so the government was putting new rules in place in in the states. And so digital forms became a lot more valuable because um, 
you know, because basically you could track the decision-making process of why you would buy something. And that's really what the government was trying to understand was like, why are you actually making this sale? Is it suitable for the customer? Um, And so it wasn't a massive financial outcome. And it took about a year and a half for me to really kind of like put all of this in place. And we just kind of stuck to it and grinded it out. Um, But we eventually sold the business. And then I worked at that, that business that I sold to for three years after that. Um, all to kind of build signal advisors today. So I knew I knew like I was going to go through the suck of like this four or five year period of trying to figure out how to get out of this thing that I had built. I like built my own prison, if you will. Uh, you know, like, how do you get out of that? Um, and so I basically took about four years to make sure that I made good on my commitments to the people that invested in me from the very beginning. Um, and it was not what I wanted to do. I think what we would rather do maybe is you'd fold it up. But I just thought that the best way to kind of make sure that our reputation stayed intact, that we made good on the the, the promises that we made to the original people who believed in us, um, that we we went down this path that was definitely painful. Mm. Um, that was my failure. Like I said, it wasn't a moment in time where like we had this like this big failure and calamity. It was more so, wow, I'm stuck in this thing and I don't know how to get out of it. Um, and now I'm going to have to not work to build the company. I'm going to have to work to get this business to a point where I can feasibly sell it. So mm-hmm. that's that was my that was my kind of like big. It was like a long time, too. I think that's the other thing that entrepreneurs do um, not that well. Um, and there's lots of reasons why, but they just hold on to businesses too long. Um and a lot of times, you know, they're not going to work, let's say, like three years in or maybe even two years in, but you just keep on going and keep on going. So I think, you know, you really have to take a hard look in the mirror and figure out, you know, like, it's your time, it's your life. How do you want to spend it? That's why you became an entrepreneur in the first place, probably. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's what I wanted to share. Yeah, I'm laughing because it sounds similar to my previous <laughs> company. It was like <clears throat> we're doing uh, basically we're a media business that generated pipeline for tech brands like Microsoft and Oracle and basically Workday and everyone else SAP, and uh, it was great because you know we were gen- doubling revenues every year for three years and then also year four came around similar story to you, and then I woke up and I was like fuck this actually sucks <laughs> this, isn't, <laughs> this isn't the kind of business I want. Uh, to yeah. scale, you know, it was heavy on people and capital and stuff. And we had products and that. And I was just like, nah, fuck it. <laughs> it's not for me, dude. And then I also tried to sell it. And uh, unfortunately, I, I, and then COVID happened. There's a couple of things I couldn't get the exit, but um, I know what it feels like to, to wake up and, you know, one morning and go, hmm, I'm no longer in love with this thing. Um, and the th- it's the- a weird moment. It's oh, a weird moment because you were obsessed with it at one point in time. At one point in time, it was like the thing that consumed your entire life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and but it's funny how quickly it changes, right? And so if you if you've been, th- this is why I always say, like, you have to know to your point, like entrepreneurs don't get it right a lot of the time, right? Um, and that you should know who you are. Like, are you the type of guy who builds and sells? That's me. I'm no interest yeah. in building a unicorn or taking venture capital money. No way. I'm not that guy. Um, and, uh, but you know, I will build you a house and flip the house to you so you can go build a skyscraper, but I'm certainly not sticking around for three years of an earnout and all this kind of rubbish. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. fuck that. Yeah. You gotta know who you are for sure. Yeah, man. So tell me, um, when you think back about that story, what's a key lesson that you take with you now? I mean, I think it's about the key lesson is, I could have realized that way sooner. I was just heads down 
and I didn't I didn't pick my head up earlier in the process. And I mean, you know, it's tough because sometimes businesses are hard and they just they take a second to work. You know, it's not always that like if it's hard in the beginning, it's gonna be hard at the end. Sometimes you just, you know, it's like a flywheel. You got to put a lot of energy up front and then eventually it starts moving on its own. But um, there were definitely signs in that business that it was not going to work the way that I wanted it to. And I just kept on going regardless. And so I could have I could have started that process probably a year, a year and a half earlier um, and, and saved, you know, a lot of time. Now, at the end of the day, I also just learned so many ins and outs of like venture capital, built a ton of relationships. I mean, so much about what I did in that business is the foundation for the business that exists today at Signal that, you know, is just much more successful. Um, so there's lots to take away, but I just, I, th- I think there's this sense of awareness of when a business is working or when it's not working, that's maybe nuanced. Um, but I just have su- such a better feel for it now. Mm. Yeah, it's basically, you know, you have to be qualified by experience, like a genuine, like, you know, all that shit that I went through with a previous company, like I now take forward, like I don't, I, I won't repeat the same mistakes. And I think to have that sort of, you know, massive liquidity event, or even just to imagine for a moment that you have a business that you can see yourself running for like five years or 10 years or whatever the story is. Um, you know, then, uh, then that, that for me is, is truly success, right? You don't always have to sell it. I'm, I'm that guy, but you know, um, you don't always have to sell it, but having, yeah. having, I call it the QBE, right? Qualified by experience. And you only get that by making, by basically fucking up. <laughs> by, yeah. By fucking up and doing, you know, so one of our, you know, one of the things that I've, uh, so we're a venture back business and one of our investors is Dan Gilbert, who owns Rocket Mortgage and Quicken Loans. Um, it's like you build the largest mortgage origination business and somehow people know you just for the the, the basketball team that you own. Uh, so he owns, he owns the, the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, in Cleveland. Um, that's how many people know who Dan Gilbert is. But in Detroit, he's a massive figure because he's been, you know, just responsible for a lot of the revitalization that's happened in the city. And, you know, if you look at Rocket Mortgage, which was formerly Quicken Loans, I mean, Rocket, Ro- the la- like, so they've been in business for 35 years. And they're in their 35th year. I, I'm going to get the numbers wrong, but it's directionally accurate, which is like it, they did more business in their 35th year than they did in the in the years one through 30 combined. Mm-hmm. And it just sh- shows the power of compounding interest. And so when we started Signal, Jake, Kevin and myself, so I have two co-founders in the Signal Advisor business. Um, you know, we kind of locked arms and said, we're going to go at this thing. We feel like this is the right business to go at for 20 years um, because the market's big enough. And so that's that's been our game plan. And in I just think that given the rep pro experience, I was able to say, okay, this is the right business to really sink our teeth in and do for a long, long time. So if you could get into the Matt Brown show time machine and kind of go back, you know, before this whole story, what would you do differently and why? For that first business with Mm -hmm. rep pro? Mm -hmm. Man. What I've done differently with that business. So, I would have changed who we sold to. Uh, so our original approach on RepPro was to like grassroots approach, where it was like, hey, we're going to go get a bunch of users, and then we're going to go use those users to then pound on the door of insurance companies and say, use this product, pay for this product. And so it's because it's kind of this chicken and the egg thing. It's like insurance companies don't want to use the product if there's no advisors, no 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 agents uh, using it. And agents don't want to use it if there's no insurance companies like on there paying for it. So the way that we solved it at the beginning was 
We said, we're just going to go, we're going to go upload these forms. We're not going to charge any insurance companies. We'll reduce that friction and we'll go get users. We'll go get financial advisors to use this new process. And it, you know, that was, that was all fine and good. But if we would have, if we, we, if we would have gone to the insurance companies and asked for them to pay for it, I think one, we could have gotten money up front, which would have funded the business in a, in a more effective way. And we could have actually used the insurance companies as additional distribution. Um, and so I think both of those things, we kind of got, I think we got the, the, the distribution of our product wrong mm-hmm. um, in, in the early days is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Tell me, um, what's one piece of advice, uh, Patrick, you want to give CEOs or entrepreneurs out there in terms of the importance of failing in business success? Again, I think it's all about perspective. Um, you know, I think I recently I ran the Boston Marathon. Um, actually, on Monday I ran it, um, and yeah, and I had a terrible knee injury, terrible knee injury, and um, and I would the, the about two weeks ago I was supposed to run, and it's my first marathon ever. I'm not really a runner, uh, so this is my first time. Like it was a big deal for me, and and I. I hurt my knee about three weeks ago and I didn't run at all going into the marathon. And I was like, at that moment in time, I felt like a failure. I thought I was going to drop out of the marathon. Actually, I thought I wasn't even going to run it. And so like, I basically didn't do any work like, and no, no road work, no running. I did nothing for three weeks. And then I got out there on the starting line and it, it just, it, I was like, let's go. I'm not, I'm going to just choose not to quit, you know? And that, like that felt like that's why I'm saying it's all perspective. Like in the moment, like three weeks before, I just felt like I was failing. I felt like it, I was going to just like crash and burn. And then like crossing the finish line at Boston was like such an amazing experience. And so I just think it's all perspective. And I think if you if just taking it back to business, I think if you if you're if you're still strong on your thesis, then the number one thing you can do is stay alive. Just be just just persevere. Um, and so that would be, that would be my number one piece of advice. Persevere. Mm. If you believe in your thesis, persevere. Yeah. Uh, very good advice. Couldn't, uh, you, you got to do that David Goggins vibe, right? Just like, uh, hell no brother. I'm going to take your soul, dude. <laughs> yeah. Just choose, take the soul. I love that. Yeah. I actually, I was listening to a lot of Goggins when, uh, I've lived in Michigan, so I've got some dark winners here. So I was, I had some, some, some dark nights alone, um, while I was listening to David Goggins when I was running. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, my my mates don't understand me. I'm I'm a suffering guy. I dig it. Like, I go put me on a fucking mountain, dude. No, no problem. You know what I mean? I'll go and run that shit. No training. Um, and uh, like, awesome. I ran the other day. It was like minus fifteen F. You know, that's it's very fucking cold. For wow. those of you who don't know, yes. <laughs> in the cold, dude, off you go. You know, just because it's it is mental toughness, right? And I think putting yourself into the Boston Marathon, putting yourself into these situations where it, you can leave with perspective is sometimes the difference. Because I use this analogy where I'm saying, like, most pretty much every entrepreneur, like, I don't give a shit who you are, big companies, most of you are stuck inside the bottle. Most of us, right? Me too. And so what you and you can't read the label. So you need perspective to be able to see what you don't see, you know. And I think that's where mentors come in, and investors, and people with bigger businesses, and masterminds, and all these things. Your wife, your girlfriend, whatever, you know. Um, that's it. Give it shows you the label. Go here's what you're not seeing. It's a weird psychological thing. You just don't see it, you know, until one day you wake up, like you said, and you go, hmm, this isn't actually for me. Yeah, I think that's why it's important to pull yourself out of like the routine. You know, I think that's also what happened to me is I was just like traveling a lot. I was just 
I was like my slave to my calendar. I just did whatever was on there. Um, and and so I think, you know, you kind of pull yourself out. Your kids do that to you. Your wife does that to you. You know, like running a marathon might do that to you. It kind of pulls you pulls you out of yourself and kind of you can look at the world in a, in a different way or your business in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick, what about books and tools and resources and things like that? Is there anything that you recommend other CEOs, entrepreneurs use on their journey? Oh man. So yeah, I, I, I love books. Uh, I love reading. What also we talked about Goggins already. That's a good book just yeah. for like, if you're like, want to go through the suck kind of a thing, like yeah, to call yeah. it. Um, but, uh, zero to one is probably my favorite startup book, uh, by Peter Thiel. I think that's the best, best startup book out there. Um, there's a book called Conquistadors, which is like, it's about Hernan Cortez, um, coming over from Spain and, and, um, kind of taking over the, the Mayan em- or the, um, Aztec empire. And that is the most amazing story about perseverance. It almost is not real, like the way you read it, but it's just so amazing. And I recommend it to everybody because it's just such a good, it reads like an action novel, but it's, and it also, he took over the largest, most sophisticated civilization in the world with, with almost no resources. And he did it in like three and a half years. And so I often think about that when I'm in my business and I'm struggling, I'm like, Life is not hard. Like, do you know what hard is? Like, I read that book and it, it definitely reminds me, keeps me grounded. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually going to pick that up. I need some bedtime reading, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, cool. Well, Patrick, uh, you're a true legend, man. And thank you for your story uh, of fail, quote unquote. Um, appreciate yeah. you giving your perspective uh, on uh, on this series. I know it's, uh, it's certainly resonated with me, man. And uh, I know it'll resonate with my audience too. So I appreciate you for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Anytime, brother. Alrighty. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you again soon. Ciao.